We ask you to come. Spirit of wisdom and revelation, Lord, let it come. Would you, God, open up the realm of the angelic? Would you open up the realm of the spirit? God, would you usher us in? Take us into the supernatural. Take us as a people in, God, that we would be minded on the heavenly, that we would be a Colossians 3 people, God, setting our mind on things above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Lord, I'm asking that you would impart grace to us and give us heavenly vision. Lord, we give you thanks for it tonight. In the name of Jesus, amen. Good. You know, um, oftentimes... When people ask me, how do you start an IHOP? What do you do to, do, to start an IHOP? I always give them, I give them the same answer like every single time. Because I don't really know, but this answer sounds good. And so I, I've got one, a good sounding answer landed. And I say, it takes this. It takes the sovereignty of God, uh, the agreement of men, and the, uh, the intervention of angels, or the agency of angels. And... Uh, you know, it sounds really good, and, and basically all I'm really saying is there's no way a person can decide to start an IHOP. God has to do it, and somebody has to say yes. And so um, when, I, when I'm thinking about the sovereignty of God, what I'm, what I'm thinking about is God's uh, unique activity, his, his plans and His purposes that He works out in the earth and who knows how he structures it and sets it up. But, you know, he is the God that doesn't ever do a coincidence. He is the God that, you know, weaves together time and, and weaves together people and, and causes destinies to collide and intertwine. And in the perfect plan that, that is uh, geared to bring about the kingdom of God. And he sets it up in, under this thing called sovereignty. And it's sort of this. God is in heaven. He, he does what he pleases. Psalm 115.3 says. And it's under this thing called sovereignty that God weaves together the fabric of our lives and he knows the plan and the, and the desire that he has and he brings it to pass in his perfect appointed time. And so when I'm saying sovereignty, I'm talking about the interventions of the Holy Spirit in our life that he leads us with the strong right-handed activity where we see God moving in power and bringing us, uh, you know, and moving us in directions. And then he moves us, the Holy Spirit moves us with the left-handed activity of God, the stuff that's behind our back. And we don't even know it's going on, but it's going on. All the time, God is moving us with the strength of his right hand and the tenderness of his left hand. And who knows how it all works? It just works. And God in his sovereignty, he, he makes things line up. And then there's the agreement of men. And it's simply this. Like Monica said, it's broken and weak people getting on God's agenda. Going, you know, God's got an idea. He's going to bring it to pass. He's going to do it when he wants to do it. And somebody needs to say yes. And I look at the dramatic leadings of the way the Lord's um, moved my life and, and me and my wife and, and how he's shifted us and moved us around. And, and I look at his destiny and his, his idea and desire for night and day prayer in Atlanta. And I look at the track of our life and I go, I, I'm sure there was uh, several men before me that were in line to do this that didn't get in agreement. Because I, I, I look at the way that God shifted our lives so quickly on a dime. And I go, there's a sovereign working here, but I think I was probably number you know, eight or nine in line. Somehow the whole thing works out. And you know, God tricks you enough to say yes. You know, I feel like Jeremiah. You know, you, you allured me. You, I'm, you, know, you, you deluded me. You, you sucked me in. You tricked me. And now all I can do is just say what you want me to say because I'm stuck. And that's just where it is. And uh, somehow, some little guy somewhere, he says, okay. And the Lord uses the agreement of men. It's a remarkable thought. An amazing thought. God only operates through, through human agreement in the earth. He set it up for a man to come and rule. His name is Christ Jesus. A man. God is going to establish his kingdom through a man. He's all God, he's all man, but Jesus even had to agree with the will of the Father. Not my will, but your will be done, he said. 
How strange is it that the perfect God, who's completely divine, he's flawless in every wit, that God confines himself to work with us. What an unbelievable plan he's got. He gives us this little thing called prayer. We ask him for what he asks us to ask him for. called praying according to his will and stuff happens and that's how he governs the planet he gets broken weak people to ask him for stuff that he is telling us to ask him for I kind of you know one day it just kind of dawned on me I go wait a minute you're getting done exactly what you want to get done I've never prayed anything according to my will and you did it it's always been your will and you did it huh you tricked me again I thought I wanted that thing, but it was the thing that you wanted all the time. That's how it got done, because you wanted it. You put it in my mind, and I sent it back to you, and then you did it. And it was what you wanted the whole time. This is the way he leads us, beloved. What a strange thought that God governs and leads sovereignly with the agreement of, of people. Little broken fellows like us. I remember when I was uh, in KC and uh, meeting with Mike Bickle for the very first time and uh, it was the uh, summer of 2003 and we'd gone out there and, and God sovereignly weaved it together and I had a sovereign connection and ended up meeting with Mike in the coffee shop there in Kansas City and and uh, we ended up having a couple days worth of meetings and uh, I remember just telling Mike the vision I felt like the Lord had given me for the city in Atlanta and just how God was, you know, had, had uh, ordained Atlanta as a gate city and Atlanta is called the gate city of the south and, and that the Lord wanted to, you know, come into Atlanta and, and take over in a massive revival that would influence not simply Atlanta but the entire uh, southeast region and, and that, uh, you know, it was going to influence the nation, it was going to f- influence the world and I said, I believe this is what God has called me to that I'm supposed to somehow get involved in some sort of a prayer something that God is going to open something up in Atlanta and it's going to explode and it's going to affect the southeast the nation and the world and in the middle of it I'm sitting there thinking I'm talking to like Mike Bickle what am I like am I just like you know like trying to be the hot shot here like you know I mean surely this guy thinks I'm an idiot you know for saying that you know like, so halfway through I just kind of go you know that probably sounds dumb to you but I just feel like that's what the Lord told me and he goes, you know, that doesn't sound dumb to me. I go, no. He goes, no, no. Some little dork is going to do it. It might as well be you. <laughs> and I just go, thanks, I think. God uses the agreement of men. Weak and broken and feeble and just saying, help, Lord. And then this other little feature that I always say, agency of angels. And I go, like, what is that? Because I never talk about it. And I realize I almost never talk about the interventions of the angelic. Yet, I, th- I really do believe in my heart, it is one of the three ways that God brings these things together. Through the inner, the Holy Spirit and under the sovereignty of God, the agreement of men, and the intervention of the angelic. He uses angels as messengers. He uses them as heralds. He uses them to release revelation. He uses them as guardians. He uses them in all sorts of different ways, except for I almost never talk about angels. And I thought about this, and I was talking to somebody recently. I said, you know, if you talk about angels, they show up more. I go, you know, I don't know if that's a verse, but I like how it sounds. And so I just want, can we just talk about angels tonight? That's what I want to do, just talk about angels. So let's read Daniel 7. And I feel like the Lord gave me a couple words I just want to release too, so. But Daniel 7, verse 9, it says, I watched. Imagine being Daniel. This is a good quiet time, beloved. I watched till thrones were put in place. And the Ancient of Days was seated. His garment was white as snow, and the hair of his head was like pure wool. His throne was a fiery flame, its wheels a burning fire. And a fiery stream issued and came forth from before him. 
A thousand thousands ministered to him. Ten thousand times ten thousand stood before him. The court was seated and the books were opened. Can you imagine that day? Daniel has the heavenly encounter. He's actually looking at the ancient of days. He's seeing him on his fiery throne with the fiery stream pouring from the throne. And a million, it's not a real number, it's a, he's giving us a figure of speech, but a million plus or minus are ministering to God. And then there's millions standing at attention, waiting for decrees, waiting for assignments, waiting to be told. This is the kingdom that we're part of, beloved. This is the kingdom that we are of. I just thought about how often I click in to this natural realm and I lose the revelation that I'm an alien here. And I forget that I'm part, not just of another kingdom, but I'm part of a supernatural kingdom. I'm part of a kingdom that is divine. It's of another order. It's of another place. That the angelic realm, the angelic host is fully functioning in this kingdom to bring about kingdom reality and kingdom influence in this place called time in which we live. And I think that God wants to lift our vision a little bit. You know, Colossians 3, you can just write it down. It says, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And then when Christ, who is your life, when he is revealed, then you too will be revealed with him in glory. Set your mind on things above. See, we've heard oftentimes, you know what, brother? You're just a little too heavenly good. I mean, too heavenly minded to be any earthly good. And I want to say this, that unless you are heavenly minded, you are no earthly good. Unless you have a Colossians 3 life, where you are connected to that kingdom that you are of. You are no good in this realm for you don't have the uh, connection to the kingdom that you're of to bring those resources, to bring that power, to bring that reality into this. Isn't that really what this is about? Isn't it about heaven coming to earth? And oftentimes we get it all backwards. We go, everybody wants, you know, we, we want to die and go to heaven. Everybody wants to die and go to heaven. I tell you this, God wants to bring heaven on earth. That's where this thing is going. The only way that we can be a part of it, the only way that our agreement, human agreement can be connected to this is if we are connected to the revelation of that kingdom. We need to have our minds set on this place that we are of. We're sojourners. We're strangers. We're aliens. We're from another place. I'm thinking about one of the devos that Monica was singing recently. She goes, I'm an alien. I'm a stranger. And then she says this line out. She goes, I was made to look at angels. So he goes, no, brother, you know, we're not supposed to be worshiping angels. No, she, she didn't say she was worshiping angels. She was just made with eternity written on her heart. Made to conceive of that thing which we cannot see. Made to perceive the throne. She goes, I was made to set my mind on things above. Things above. Stuff that's up there. She goes, I was made to look at angels. I go, Lord, that's me. I'm not made to have my feet cemented to this realm. I'm not made to live in, in quote unquote, reality. You know, you know brother, you're, you're just a little bit out there. You just need to just, just get, come back to reality. I tell you what, we've got no power because we are in the reality of the carnal world. And we are set upon that reality, this current reality. What we need to do is tap into a different reality, the reality of the, the heavenly, the reality of that which is above. And, and I believe this, unless we are connected in heart and connected in mind with that which is above, we are no good in this realm. 
We toil in this realm, running like hamsters on hamster wheels, performing nothing, yet spending all of our energy and all of our life. I believe God wants to connect to sin. So I just want to talk about angels a little bit. I was looking at it. I just looked it up a little bit. 235 times in the Bible, the Lord is referenced as the Lord of hosts. Well, the Lord of hosts, if you blow over that, you don't really realize he's saying the Lord of the angelic hosts. The Lord of hosts is a military term. And so 235 times when God is referred to in the Bible, God saw fit to refer to himself as the Lord of the host of angelic armies. That's our God. The God of the angelic armies. The captain over the angel ranks. That's a cool thought. You know, we just go, yeah, I'm just serving Jesus. Oh, I love Jesus. Jesus, the captain of the angel armies. Chariots of fire. I was thinking about Elisha. And he's out there and he's got the armies surrounding him. He's there with his servant. And the servant's like, we're going to die. Elisha goes, no, there's more with us than there are with him. And he goes, dude, see, that's what I'm talking about. You're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. He goes, Lord, open his eyes. Where'd all those guys come from? This is a good thing. Chariots of fire all over the mountains. What's around you right now? You got angels around you. I remember there's a there's a young man, Kansas City, uh, and now he's in actually in, in uh, Fort Mill in South Carolina, and his 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 name is Isaac Bennett. He's Kirk and D Bennett's son, and uh, and Isaac from a young young age he he just had a seer anointing. He could just see in the spirit. He I mean he would see angels. He would see demons. Well the the. The irony of it is Isaac is one of the biggest goofballs you'd ever want to meet. So he's a total practical joker, but then he's got this crazy seer prophetic anointing. Who knows why the Lord does that? But he does. So Isaac's a lot of fun. So he was telling us some stories, you know, and telling us about, you know, seeing angels and demons and all these things. I said, listen, bro, for real, if you ever see anything around me, I want to know about it. Just... Just tell me what it looks like. Tell me when you're seeing it. I, da, 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 you know, just, I want to see it all. I want to I know when it's there at least. Even if I can't see it, I want to I know what's going on. And I remember like a week later, I'm walking in the house of prayer and I'm pacing. And I look up and maybe Isaac's sitting right there. And I'm looking at him and he's looking at me and he goes. <laughs> and I go, you punk, you know, you're making that up. And he goes, yeah, man, just kidding. I'm like, you. That's wrong in so many ways. I'm like wanting a word, you know. He's, gotcha. I gotcha. I give you the five-fold ministry. That's what I'll give you. And, uh, and so about two months later, for real, I'm doing the same thing. I'm pacing. But this time, Isaac is staring at me, sober. And he's looking at me like this. He's just staring. And, I, and I'm like, what's that? Why is he staring at me, Lord? And I felt like the Lord said, he's got, he's got a word for you. And I was like, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> but I, 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 I said, okay, Lord. So I walk over to him. I said, so, bro, do you have a word for me? And, and he is choking up. He goes, um, do you remember when you asked me if, if I ever see anything around you? And I go, yeah. And he goes, well, I see it right now. I go, well, what is it? He goes, you have two 20-foot blue angels. They've been following you around for the last hour. Now, that was Jim Drown gave me the blue and red one. My wife's kind of like correcting my details. 
But he goes, you got two 20-foot blue angels. They've been following. He goes, he goes I saw the angels because I was up in the altar ministering to people, laying hands on people. He goes, I saw these two angels walking around up there with somebody. He goes, I couldn't tell who it was until you came out on the side and they were just escorting you. Two 20-footers. I go, do you, like now? He goes, they're there. I'm like. But like me, I'm like, Where? Oh, you know, it's like, try to see him. And I was like, oh, Lord. But I realized, I was thinking about this when I was, when I was praying over this thing. Uh, to talk about angels, I realized in the last three years, that's one. I had Jim Drown, who's, who's a prophetic friend of ours. He said I had two 20-foot uh, angels that he saw when he, when he saw them they were blue and one was red so I don't know if that guy got hot that day I'm not sure how that worked <laughs> and then another one I had another pastor who's a very, very prophetic brother and he said he saw uh, a third angel with me a 20 footer I thought man I don't think about that enough I mean I know Jesus is with me but I've got an escort I don't think about that enough you know, we've all got angels that are watching out for us. They are sent forth to minister on behalf of those who would inherit salvation. And just because no one's ever seen your angels, the Lord is going to, look, he loves you a lot. And he, and he likes you. And he, he created you with, he created you. And the angelic ranks were in, in mind created for you, to minister for you. And you've got angels with you. You walk out of here tonight, you got angels. You walk in here tonight, you got angels. They're looking out for you. I like it. So he's called the Lord of hosts 235 times, the leader of the angelic armies. 299 times the word angel appears in the NKJV. I started meditating about angels and I thought, you know, it's interesting because angels heralded the coming of John the Baptist. Before John the Baptist uh, was born, remember the angel appeared to his father, Zacharias, while he was offering incense and the angel heralds the coming of the forerunner. And then we end up with angels heralding the coming of the Lord Jesus. And I'm convinced of this, beloved. I'm convinced that in the generation in which the Lord returns, and I believe we're right on it, that the, the interaction of angels and the, the heralding of angelic messages is going to dramatically increase as it did in the days of, of John the Baptist and the Lord Jesus and, and the Lord's first coming to the earth. As the Lord is releasing the forerunner spirit, the spirit of Elijah on an entire generation, I believe the intervention, the proclamation of angels into humankind is going to go, uh, you know, increase in a dramatic, dramatic scale. And uh, I think we are in living in one of the most, uh, I don't even think, I know this, one of the most unique windows of time anyone could ever live in. And, I, and, and we can look forward in the days ahead and, and, and in our lives in the days ahead to an, an increase, I believe, of angelic activity. Because the Lord is going to begin to herald these things into the earth as the day of the Lord and the return of the Lord Jesus comes closer. And so, as I was praying about this whole thing, I really felt like the Lord, I felt impressed that there is coming an, an increase right now of angelic interventions. I believe it's coming in our city, but I believe it's uh, coming in this community. I really believe that. And uh, I don't think you've got to try to make it happen. I think it's happening now. And I just wanted to say it. I want to get it on record. And, uh, you know, it may be imperceptible to many and most. But it really might be very perceptible to some. I mean, it might be a thing where you're actually seeing and feeling and having interactions with angels. And I believe that uh, even among our community right now, uh, there's going to be a much more frequent manifestation in the realm of the angelic, and people are going to be perceiving and interacting 
uh, and seeing perhaps the angelic realm. And there's a word that I felt the Lord um, gave me, and this I think is going to is going to minister to several. But uh, I was talking to a friend this week, and um, and this friend is battling with a, I mean, it's a life or death kind of a situation, and 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 it's the kind of thing kind of thing that would make you just go into full-on depression and and, and try to give up and and he was he has been in this state of of battling and battling and and going back and forth and the lord spoke to him in the midst of this real heavy darkness that was on him and he said help is on the way help is on the way and i want to say that when that when he shared that with me that word kind of went through me i want to give you that word and I believe that's a word for several that are here tonight. Help is on the way for you. And you're battling and you're fighting and you don't see how you're going to get through the thing right now. And it's perhaps it's staring you down. And I believe the Lord is going to release angelic activity on your behalf. And I want to say to you, help is on the way. Help is on the way. Yeah, that's for you. So God, release angels, I'm asking, to help, to minister to heirs of salvation. Even to the ones that you're identifying right now. If you believe that was a word for you, just lift your hand. God, so now, see that? Lord, now, help is on the way. God, release the realm of the angelic to come and minister for the heirs of salvation. God, release the warring angels. Release the messenger angels. Release the angels that bring provision. Release the angels that bring revelation. God, release it in the name of Jesus. Help is on the way, beloved. Help is on the way. We receive it in Jesus' name. Good. I want to, let's look over at Matthew 13. I want to give us a few scriptures and I want to tell a couple stories and then we'll pray. Everybody doing okay still? We've been so intense the last several weeks. I'm like, Lord, you got anything to encourage us? <laughs> because help's on the way. That'll work. We can run with that. <laughs> Angels are coming. I like that. We'll do that, Jesus. Very good. Thank you, Lord. Matthew 13, I'm going to read this parable, verse 24. It said, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went, on, went his way. But when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So the servants of the owner came and said to him, Sir, did you not sow good seed in the field? How then does it have tares? And if you know anything about this, tares are poison. You can only have a certain amount of tare in the wheat harvest, or you have to throw the entire harvest away. Tares aren't just weeds, they're poison. So if there's a mixture of tares within the wheat and you do that whole harvesting thing together and you have a a higher percentage than I think it's like 6% tares, you have to throw the entire harvest away. Well, this guy's got as much wheat as he's got tares. The whole harvest is bad is the idea. He said to them, an enemy has done this, verse 28. Then servant said to him, do you want us to go and gather up the tares, gather them up? But he said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow up together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. So if you skip on down to to, uh, verse 36. Then Jesus said to the, sent the multitude away and went into the house, and his disciples came to him saying, explain to us the parable of the tares in the field. He answered and said to them, He who sows the good seed is the son of man. The field is the world. The good seeds are the sons of the kingdom. But the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age. And the reapers are the angels. 
That's interesting. The reapers are the angels. Ew. That's pretty intense. You know, no one leads like this man, Jesus. What farmer allows the poison to grow up to full strength with the, the ripe harvest? What farmer does that? Nobody, except for Jesus. You know, we run around worrying about so many things that the Lord doesn't worry about. We're just like the servants. Do you want us to go and get rid of all the tares? We'll preach against all the tares. He goes, no, 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 just let the wheat grow. He goes, I have got a plan that you don't get yet. I'm going to release angelic intervention at the end of the age. And I'm going to separate the harvest. Well, I have a friend named Kevin Cooley. And uh, several years ago when he was a youth pastor, he, had, he was doing a service. He was leading a service for his pastor. His pastor was out of town and he was doing a missions service. And uh, these guest speakers came in and, and Kevin was in charge of the meeting. And because I used to be a youth pastor, I know that when the pastor tells you to end the meeting at a certain time and you're running the meeting for the pastor, you better end that meeting at the time the pastor tells you. And so these, these guest speakers come in. They preach on missions. They say, anybody feel called to the mission field? Come on up. Well, Kevin um, is called to the mission field, and he's been in India now since then. And, and um, so he comes up, and the, the, they pray and lay hands on him and many other people. Well, Kevin goes out and gets, you know, he falls out in the spirit. He's slain the spirit, and he's in charge of running the meeting. He's got to close the meeting on time. And so while he's down getting blessed by the Lord, his wife's over there interceding like, get up in the name of Jesus. <laughs> get up she doesn't want him to get in trouble maybe maybe not Adrian probably did anyway so Kevin gets up and he's still got to take up an offering and the, t- the clock is ticking and it's one of those things and if, you're, if you've ever been a youth pastor ever been under authority you know it's like pastor said we better get it done and so uh, Kevin takes up like the speediest offering ever and he's right on the wire and as he's getting ready to close the service a 25-foot angel appears in the corner of the building. And he's standing there, and he looks over, and this angel is black from the top to the bottom. It's a, it's a ceiling about this height, so the angel is bending down to fit in the room, and he's black. He's got feathery, leathery hair. It's black. He's got Asian features. He's got a strong protruding jaw and his clothes are black and leathery. And his wings look like leather. And his first thought is, I'm the youth pastor. I've got to close the meeting in 30 seconds and a 25-foot demon has just showed up (laughs) in the corner of the room. And he said when he looked at him, he immediately knew it was an angel of the Lord because the glory of the Lord was coming, emanating off of this angel. So my friend Kevin, trying to be under authority, goes, well, there's an angel in the corner. Amen, let's just pray. <laughs> and he closes the meeting. You may be dismissed. And everybody sits there, just staring. Nobody leaves. And the presence of the Lord is rolled in the room. So at that point, he's thinking, I've dismissed the meeting. Nobody would leave. It's not my fault. Okay. And, he go, and he's looking at the angel, and he goes, well, the angel, and he begins to describe him as I've just described him. And he said he's probably about 25 feet, and he's bent over, and in his hand, he's holding a little book. And when Kevin references the little book, the, the angel begins to speak in a tongue. And the angel's looking right at Kevin, speaking in this tongue. Kevin can hear the tongue in his ear in this foreign language, but in his heart, it's going off in English. And so this angel begins to tell Kevin, he says, I am an end time harvest angel set forth on behalf of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I am sent into the end time harvest with those who are appointed to reap the harvest at the end of the age.
25 footers. And the angel began to proclaim to Kevin some things about his destiny that he's never shared with me. But every time I get with Kevin, I go, okay, tell me the two, I, there's two stories he always, about angels. I go, okay, tell me the, the 25 footer in the corner one and tell me the, the two that opened up like a door because uh, I won't tell that one tonight. But <clears throat> And he begins to tell some things about Kevin's destiny. And it wasn't even until later that Kevin saw this verse in Matthew 13. It just, he just didn't connect it. And the angel finished speaking, and he said, the angel bends down like this, and he goes, and shoots through the ceiling. Kevin's like, amen, you may be dismissed. I believe this. I believe the Lord is commissioned end time harvest angels, according to Matthew 13 that are sent forth on behalf of those who are appointed to gather the end time harvest. Large, amazing, gathering, reaping angels, beloved. Who knows how many angels God is going to send forth into the harvest? Who knows how many angels it takes to separate wheat from tares without uprooting any wheat and, with, and, and pulling away all the tares? Who knows that the angelic ranks are on alert, I believe, in the season as the end of the age is approaching. The 25-footers reserved for the end of the age, getting ready to go into Commission. What do you think those 10,000 times 10,000 are doing standing? Undoubtedly, some of those are the end time harvest angels just waiting for their commissioning at the end of the age. And even now, some are commissioned. Turn over with me to Revelation chapter 14. We need angelic intervention. We need no longer to live veiled to the kingdom of which we're from. We need interaction with the king and with all the warrior and servant angels that he's commissioned to minister to us as heirs of salvation. We need interaction. Verse 6. Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth, the sea and the springs of water. There's a proclamation that the Lord releases through these three different angels. This is right there at the end of the age, right before the Lord Jesus returns in Revelation 14. And these angels are releasing a gospel proclamation causing people to, to, to for the great harvest to come in and, and people are getting pierced with the revelation of who Jesus is right at the end of the age, right before the Lord's coming. And these angels, I believe, they are commissioned not to proclaim the gospel, because I believe men are to proclaim the gospel, but they are commissioned to release power on the proclamations of men. And so the guy comes in, and he goes, I'm telling you, fear God. And when you've heard the message a hundred times, all of a sudden, the Revelation 14 angel comes in, the guy, little guy stands and goes, fear God, yet when he does, And people get pierced because power is released on the proclamation of the gospel. Flip over to Revelation 10. Verse 1. I saw still another mighty angel coming down from heaven, clothed with a cloud, and a rainbow was on his head. His face was like the sun and his feet like pillars of fire. He had a little book open in his hand. Sounds like the one my friend Kevin saw. And he set his right foot on the sea and his left foot on the land. 
How big is an angel that's standing one foot on the sea and the other foot on the land? And he cried. Now he's gigantic. He's glowing with the glory of the Lord. He's holding a little book. He's fire. And he cries with a loud voice. How loud is the loud voice that comes out of the angel that's standing on the sea and the land? And when and he cried with a loud voice, as when a lion roars. And when he cried out with his voice, seven thunders uttered their voices. And when the seven thunders uttered their voice, John, he's finally ready to write. All the other times he's like stargazed and the angel goes, hey, you need to write this. He goes, oh yeah, right. This time he's ready to write what the thunders say. And the angel says, he goes, I was about to write, but I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. The seven thunders, <laughs> this is powerful. The angel speaks as a lion roaring. When the angel is speaking, seven thunder claps go off. They are of supernatural origin. They're not about high and low pressure systems colliding in our atmosphere. They're of supernatural origin and they pound and thunder with otherworldly resonance. And when those thunderclaps thunder through that place where John is, who knows where that is, when it thunders through that place, messages come out that John can understand. And John is ready to write down each of these seven messages and the angel, the voice from heaven says, no, seal them up. And I believe this is a Daniel 12, 1 through 4 reality where the, the books of Revelation are sealed up until the time of the end. And I believe these seven thunders are real messages that John really heard that John was going to write down, but the angel told him not to, that will be unlocked at the end of the age. And I believe it's going to take the intervention of the angelic hosts to unlock these things. Now, it's not going to be new scripture. It's going to be the very Bible that you're reading. And what the Lord will do is he'll bring uh, like a Daniel 9 angel, you know, give this man skill to understand. And the very verses that the guy's been looking at that he didn't get 30 seconds earlier, boom, they blow up in front of him and it's one of the thunders that John sealed up. It's power on the gospel. It's messages that pierce the heart of men. And God is going to release and he's going to use the intervention of the angelic realm. He's going to release messengers. And this is what we're talking about when we say messengers with thunder. He's going to release messengers with thunder on their voice. It's, in, it's like Job 36. Elihu, the young man, he begins to proclaim and he speaks the truth of the knowledge of God. And when he speaks the truth of the knowledge of God, God comes in a whirlwind and thunders behind him. And I tell you, there's a whole host that I believe God is going to raise up right now at the end of the age that will speak and they will be messengers with thunder on their lips. And when they speak, the Lord will thunder. Isaiah, I mean, Job 36 and 37, right there, end of 36, beginning of 37, it says, a voice speaks and the Lord thunders. Oh, that the words that we speak wouldn't fall to the ground, but they'd pierce the hearts of men and God would resonate with thunder within them. And I believe God is going to bring about these realities and he's going to use the, the realm of the angelic to see it happen. I have one experience where, where, that I can draw from that gives me in a very small scale what I believe power on the gospel through the the. the uh, angelic hosts releasing it in a place I've got one experience I want to share with you in 2002 uh, we were we were leading youth meetings and uh, it was in February actually of 2002 and uh, we were we were having a um, prayer meeting and uh, there was maybe 75 young people in the room and uh there was another minister there with me and he got up and he began to speak and he had a word from the Lord and then the Lord gave me a word and when, when I went up to speak and shared this word uh, while I was sharing this prophetic word 
halfway through in the middle of a sentence I heard an audible voice the audible voice I heard it was in front of me and it was behind me and it was all around me all at once in fact I was sitting on the front of a stage just two two steps high I'm sitting there and it was so loud I stopped mid-sentence and it shot me like this and I fully expected to see something or someone right here and I opened my eyes I didn't see a thing I looked around the room and everybody was gawking, staring like, what just happened? Well, one of the young men that was with me uh, in the ministry that night, he said that he came over and he said, I thought you were going to say you saw something. He said, but you said you heard something. He goes, I saw something. I said, well, what did you see? He goes, well, when you went shooting back, I saw a blue orb go around you and envelop you. And so it was funny because I was over on the side trying to figure out like what just happened. The young man comes over and he goes, I saw something. I go, well, what did you see? And he goes, flunk, and he falls straight down. It's two hours later. I go, hey, can you tell me what you saw, man? Like, <laughs> please, what did you see? And he goes, he goes, wings and light and wings and light and he goes, Funk, and he falls back out. 30 minutes later, I'm like, for real? I need to know what's happening. So the next night, we come into the meeting, and I just feel led to read Ezekiel 1. And there is a dramatic interaction between the realm of the angelic and the appearance of the glory of the Lord. And I don't proclaim to have any revelation. I really haven't even meditated on it. But I know that both of them, they, they, they intertwine. When angels come, glory comes. I know that. And, and so the next night, I just get up and I read Ezekiel 1. And as I'm reading Ezekiel 1, the presence of the Lord is filling the room. And it's, it's, getting, it's getting weightier and weightier and weightier. And it's, it's actually pressing me. I can feel the Lord's presence like pressing me backwards like this. And as that's going on, there's a woman sitting to my right. She goes flying out of her chair. She just pops out of her chair. And she spins around and falls out, screaming. And I'm looking at that and I'm thinking, what just happened in here? And uh, it was so bizarre. It was so awkward that a year later when I talked to this woman, she called me and apologized. She goes, I'm sorry for that night that I went flying out of my chair. I go, honey, I don't, like, I don't think that was your fault. Well, within just a matter of seconds, 15 people pop, pop. They're popping out of their chairs everywhere. It's not like, oh, that looked cool. Let's all try it ourselves. No, at all. People are flying poof, on, metal, on the concrete floor, flying off their chairs. They're getting cut out of their chairs. And they're screaming and wailing at the top of their lungs. And I, I'm looking around the room and I realize, in a moment, I realize I'm not in charge at all anymore. And I look at the microphone I'm, and I'm literally, I'm in fear, I'm trembling now. And I, and I put the microphone down, I just say, I, would, I wouldn't get left out tonight. And I put the microphone down and I get over to the side because I don't know what's about to happen. I don't know if, I'm not sure if I'm about to get cut out of my chair. Even though I'm, I mean, I don't... And in another three minutes, a hundred people, are, they've flown out of their chair and they're in the floor. And the thing goes on for like two and a half hours. At the end of the night, I remember real vividly, there was a young man, he came up to me and he said, man, I don't, and he, he's a young man, he was a young black, uh, black guy and he had, he had uh, cornrows in his hair. And he was, he was like the kind of kid that just plays basketball and just, you know, he wasn't really one of the on-fire kids in, in, in the group at that time. And he came up to me, and he was, he was like so uh, intense, and his eyes were like saucers. He goes, I don't know what happened in here tonight. He goes, but when, when that woman went out of her chair, he goes, I saw a light show up on the wall. He's, and he wouldn't make this up. This is just, you know, like first experience he's ever had like this, and he was trembling. He said, a light showed up on the wall. He goes, and she went flying out of her chair. He said, and the light exploded across the room. And when it exploded across the room, those other people all went out of their chairs. And he looked at me and goes, 
What was that? I said, I have no idea. I'm as scared as you are. I was. I honestly, I didn't smile for two weeks. I, I'm not, I'm being serious. It was so intense. It was so unusual. I, I mean, I really, I just, I didn't tell a joke. The fear of the Lord was so strong because we'd been visited with something so otherworld. And we probably had no less than 10 students, maybe 15, come to us, say they had visions, they saw angels, you know, they saw, I mean, all of them, blue flashes of light exploding all over the room. And that's the only small little glimpse, I mean, it's 150 people maybe, small little glimpse I have to even put in, in my grid of what it looks like when the angel comes, releases a thunder behind a message. I think it's going to, beloved, I think this thing is going to a place we don't get at all. I mean, I think it really is going to be the little guy, little gal gets up and says a word and the angel comes in and releases glory into place and men start getting pierced all over the place. I believe it could happen to an entire stadium. That room that night was so in the grip of heaven it was so in the grip of, of power from another place. It could happen, I mean, it could have happened all over a city block. It could have happened to 50,000. It was nothing. It, it was nothing for God to come and just take the entire place. And I believe he's going to release that kind of a thing. I believe he's going to release angels that produce power on the preaching of the gospel. The gospel message is going to go forth with thunder. We're going to see voices utter and the Lord thunder. And he's going to bring the angelic interventions. And it's going to look so bizarre to human mentalities. But it is going to be so dynamically powerful from the kingdom of God in that vantage point. Good. Let's just stand.